right, 20 days to go. I told you this would go fast. The tipping point election. You are the ultimate jury voting now. 14 million people, it is estimated, have already voted early voting. If you haven't registered, you don't know how. We have an informational website on Hannity.com. Early voting dates uh, for every state on Hannity.com. Also, who is running for your congressional seat? Very important down ticket race. Uh, Don't just put Donald Trump in office and forget, you know, leave Nancy Pelosi in power. That wouldn't be smart or wise. Same with the Senate. we got a lot of tough Senate races. One senator will join us, uh, Senator Perdue of Georgia today in the course of the program. Uh, And uh, also, if you want to vote absentee, how do you do it? The information is on Hannity.com. It's all there and available for you. Um, we do have uh, a breaking news story. I Look, I have been told now for a while that this all exists. I have had numerous sources tell me. I've not seen it myself. I have heard that what is in this is even worse. That what came out in the New York Post today will only be the tip of the iceberg. And I just have not been able to independently confirm it myself. I've I've been following it. I've been digging. I've been calling. I've been trying to do my job uh, as I'm supposed to do. There's a certain level when Ron Johnson and Charles Grassley came out with their interim report as it relates to the activities of the Bidens financially. It is so much deeper than zero experience Hunter who goes on GMA and says, any experience in oil? No. Gas? No. Energy? No. Any experience Ukraine? No. Why do you think that Burisma, an energy company, is paying you millions of dollars? I don't know. Is it because maybe your father is in charge? Probably. Probably that's the answer. And, of course, Joe famously saying that you're not getting a billion dollars unless you fire the prosecutor investigating his zero-experience son being paid millions. There was a real quid pro quo. The media ignored it. Joe Biden was was constantly out there. The only thing he said is no credible person is ever going to talk about this. Uh, And then he made a spectacular lie that has now been exposed today as a lie when he said, I've never discussed with my son or my brother or with anyone else anything having to do with their businesses. I will remind you, let's go to the audio tape. I, I have never discussed with my never. son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. Never discussed anything to do with their business, period. Never. Definitive statement. All right. The headline, New York Post. Well, first, it's on the front cover. It is revealed Ukrainian executive thanked Hunter Biden for the opportunity to meet his vice president dad. Biden's secret emails. Joe Biden has been saying that he never discussed his son's business dealings with the Ukrainian gas uh, company Burisma while he was the vice president. But emails obtained by the New York Post show, in fact, something very different. An executive thanking Hunter, zero experience Hunter, for the opportunity to meet his father. And at the time, Burisma was sparring with that prosecutor. The prosecutor's name is Victor Shokin. I did come close to uh, somebody on my staff tried to book him and we came close to getting an interview with him. Uh, but anyway, whom Joe Biden later pressured the Ukrainian government to fire. Now, why would a vice president leverage a billion taxpayer dollars to fire a prosecutor unless there's something they don't want to have happen? By the way, we just got word 
that there is a lid on Joe's campaign. Let me tell you why the lid is really in place, not only because of this story, but because Joe has had two disastrous days on the campaign trail with one gaffe after another, and he needs his sleep. He needs his rest. And that, too, is being protected by the media mob, which is a, a despicable disgrace. You want to talk about putting this country into a crisis? Joe Biden gets elected. It will be a crisis faster than you can blink an eyelash. Uh, Then Facebook is now reduced. This just broke, by the way, not that long ago on Fox Business. They're reducing distribution of the Hunter Biden story in today's New York Post. Oh, wow. I guess Facebook is uh, all in for Joe also. And Twitter's public policy director has now left Twitter to join the Biden transition team. Shocking. Well, he hasn't transitioned into anything as of this moment. Anyway, so the piece goes on. They have the smoking gun email that Hunter Biden introduced as then Vice President uh, Joe Biden to a top executive at this Ukrainian energy company that you've heard so much about, Burisma Holdings. And that was before the elder Biden uh, pressured Ukrainian officials to fire the prosecutor, Victor Shokin. Now, this this was never before revealed meeting is mentioned in a message of appreciation that uh, this guy, Vadim, I'm never going to say his name right, uh, Parashovsky, an advisor of the board of Burisma, allegedly sending to Hunter Biden on April 17, 2015, which is about a year after Hunter joined the Burisma board, you know, differing variations in what he was being paid with a salary of at least 50 grand a month, but he ended up making millions of dollars. And remember, the more recent, Grassley and Ron Johnson memo says it goes much deeper than just Ukraine. It's Ukrainian oligarchs. It's Russian oligarchs, Kazakh uh, nationals, Ukrainian nationals, Russian nationals. The three point five million dollar wire transfer with the first lady of Moscow. Yeah, Donald Trump was right in the debate. The hundred thousand dollar shopping spree with a, a Chinese national. Yeah, that happened too. all of it's chronicled in in Ron Johnson's report. But, of course, the mob, the media, they're, they're protecting the ever forgetful Joe and his weak, frail state and his cognitive struggling. So they'll protect everything else in between, including all of this corruption, uh, because it goes a lot deeper than the one point five billion dollar deal with the Bank of China. Anyway, this meeting is in this email and it says, Dear Hunter, thank you for in- inviting me to D.C. and giving me the opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together, it's really an honor and a pleasure. Earlier email, May 2014, shows that the same guy, reportedly Burisma's Burisma's number three executive, is asking for Hunter's advice on how he could use his influence on behalf of Burisma Holdings. This correspondent flies exactly in the face of Joe Biden's claim that he's never spoken to his son about his overseas business dealings. This is a blockbuster piece uh, Emma Jo Morris and, and Gabrielle uh, Fornroge, if I said it right, is, broke this in the uh, in the New York Post today. And other apparently material extracted from the computer includes a, a, a raunchy 12-minute video appearing to show Hunter, who has admitted struggling with addiction problems. I'm not even, you know, the, this report says even smoking crack while engaged in a sex act with an unidentified woman, as well as numerous other sexually explicit images... The customer was uh, brought in uh, the water-damaged MacBook Pro for repair, never paid for, 
uh, for the service or retrieved and uh, retrieved it or the hard drive with the contents was stored, according to a shop owner who said that he tried repeatedly to contact, apparently, Hunter Biden. And then the shop owner couldn't positively identify the customer as Hunter, but said the laptop bore a sticker from the Bo Biden Foundation named after Hunter's lay brother from Delaware, former Delaware Attorney General. Anyway, photos also of the Delaware federal uh, court subpoena given to the New York Post show that the computer and the hard drive were seized by the FBI in December after the shop's owner says that he alerted the feds to their existence, which would mean that Director Ray had this information and sat on it and didn't give it to anybody, which, you know, he better he needs to start answering questions for his behavior because he hasn't wanted to get to the bottom of any of these things. Anyway, and it just goes on from there. Photos of the Delaware federal court subpoena given to the Post show that both the computer and the hard drive in the FBI's possession. But before turning over the gear, the shop owner says he made a copy of the hard drive, gave it to Rudy Giuliani and Giuliani's lawyer, Steve Bannon, uh, who former advisor to the president, told the Post about the existence of the hard drive in late September And Giuliani provided the Post with a copy of it this past Sunday. And less than eight months after, this guy thanked Hunter Biden for the introduction to his dad. The then vice president admitted that he pressured then Ukrainian President Poroshenko and the prime minister into getting rid of the prosecutor general, Viktor Shokin. And you've got six hours and son of a bee, they did it. I looked at him and I said, I'm leaving in six hours. The prosecutor's not fired. You're not getting the money. Well, son of a bee, they, he got fired. And Chokin has given numerous interviews uh, and said at the time of his firing that he had made specific plans to investigate Burisma that included interrogations of other crime investigation procedures of all members of the executive board, including Hunter Biden. And Joe Biden insisted that the U.S. wanted Chokin removed over corruption concerns. Well, all of this new information would appear to show that this is not none of this was ever true and that we were all lied to. And I guess they didn't expect this laptop to show up uh, at this point. But here it is. And the message had the subject line urgent issues sent to Hunter Biden's business partner, Devin Archer, also sitting on the Burisma board. And the same guy said third top representative of Burisma that new authorities in power tend to quite aggressively uh, approach uh, somebody unofficially with the aim to obtain cash from him. And they're not identified in the email, but the reference, uh, but they think they, they think they know who it is. When the alleged shakedown failed, they proceeded with concrete actions in the form of one or more pretrial proceedings. We urgently need your advice on how you could use your influence to convey a message or signal to stop what we consider to be politically motivated actions. Hunter Biden responded by saying that he was with Devin Archer and Cutter and asked for more information about the formal, if any, accusations being made against Burisma and who's ultimately behind these attacks on the company and who in the current interim government could put an end to such attacks, he added. And the exchange came then came the day that Burisma announced that it expanded its board of directors, adding Hunter Biden, who was put in charge of its, quote, legal unit and will provide support for the company among international organizations, according to a news release that was then scrubbed from Burisma's website. Then Hunter Biden actually joined the board in April of 2014. 
His lawyers said last year that Hunter was not a member of the management team and added at no time was Hunter in charge of the company's legal affairs. Well, that's not what their website said. Four months after Hunter Biden's correspondence, anyway, his partner Devin Archer forwarded Hunter an email uh, chain with the subject tax raise impact on Burisma production that included this top executive at Burisma saying that the Ukrainian cabinet had submitted a new tax legislation in the country's parliament, quote, if enacted, the law would kill the entire private gas production sector. And uh, and it goes on from there. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, is 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 does he get away with saying no credible person has investigated this? Joe Biden, is this your son's laptop? Joe Biden, did you or did you not meet with this high-ranking executive? Joe Biden, you need to answer these questions. We, the people, have a right to know. You won't tell us if you're going to pack the courts. You're not speaking out about D.C., Puerto Rico statehood. You have said you support amnesty. This is one of the biggest power grabs ever. What did you know and when did you know it? There was a conference call uh that was leaked to Burisma. The Obama administration actually allowed a Democratic PR company that worked for Burisma to take part in a conference call about the upcoming visit of then Vice President Biden, according to emails obtained by the Post. An associate of this company called Blue Star Strategies then emailed a memo with the minutes of the conference call hosted by the White House to a top Burisma executive, as well as to Joe Biden's son Hunter and business partner Devin Archer. All of this we've been telling you about, I just didn't know it went this deep. Well, it looks like veiled references that they used dad to cash in. I thought Democrats cared about these things. Only if the last name is Trump. That's how corrupt the mob is. The mob and the media, they see he's weak and frail. They know he's not answering any questioning. They know that he's struggling, but they hate Donald Trump. Uh, more than they do getting to the truth and doing their job. That's where this election is with 20 days to go. You don't think it matters? It matters. So a lawyer for Rudy Giuliani has told uh, Fox News today that he obtained this hard drive containing 40,000 emails, thousands of text messages, photographs, videos of zero experience Hunter, uh, very compromising positions. The attorney, Robert Costello, confirmed the explosive revelations first reported uh, earlier today in the New York Post. An Apple MacBook Pro alleged to have belonged to the younger Biden disassembled and an external hard drive turned over to the FBI in December after the computer repair shop owner in Biden's state of Delaware notified federal investigators about its existence he said the laptop was inoperable, but it remained unclear if the FBI retrieved the contents and if it still existed there. They have a copy of it. However, he did underscore that he had in his possession a copy of the hard drives with tens of thousands of damaging correspondence pertaining to Hunter Biden's Ukrainian dealings, which also implicate implicate his high profile father, who is now running for president. Uh, among the deluge of documents, apparently sexually explicit photographs, footage of Hunter Biden, as well as email correspondence going back to May of 2014. Now the question is, what will the media mob do? Giuliani has a copy. Now the media has a copy. Now the FBI has a copy. 
Now the 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 laptop repairman is cooperating with Senate investigators. We're 20 days out of an election. When do we get answers? All right, 25 till the top of the hour, a 20-day countdown. You are the ultimate jury. Amazing to me that I make the comment last night on TV. Like, for example, Rasmussen a week ago had Donald Trump down by 12 points. Today it's a five-point race within the margin of error. Um, when you look at the real clear politics average as of one day last week, Donald Trump was about a half a point better in terms of the average for the swing state, the swing states that matter, uh, better than what he was in 2016. And all I'm saying is all of the 33 years that I have been doing politics on radio and the 25 at Fox's, the one thing I can tell you is I don't think Donald Trump will ever be a political figure that is going to poll like a traditional politician. He's not. We have seen multiple polls, if you believe the polls, that show that people are not going to talk to pollsters. They're just not. Um, or if they do, they're not going to answer honestly. Now, there are ways and better. there's better methodology out there, and a lot of these polls oversample Democrats. A lot of these polls go with registered voters versus likely voters. One, one interesting phenomenon that is happening at the Trump rallies is that Upwards of 20 percent of people that are attending never voted in 2016. I the one thing I could tell you is nobody knows. And there's a lot of guessing going on. And there are a lot of people that, you know, they can get it all wrong and it won't matter in the end um, because nobody holds them accountable. But the you know, I, I think that there is a psychological component. If you're hearing every second, every minute, every hour, every day from the mob and the media that, uh. Donald Trump's 15 points behind you thinking, oh, what's the point? Don't believe them. You know, just assume that your vote is the one vote that could tip the balance of power in Washington. And that's how that's just how you have to look at it. There is otherwise it's an emotional roller coaster ride and an ebb and flow that you can't keep up with. And you're high one day and you're deflated the next day. And it's just not worth the the emotional energy that you would expend And if this is an important election year and you are against court packing and amnesty and statehood for D.C. and elsewhere, and if you're against liberal activist justices and if you're against higher taxes and if you're against the Green New Deal and the trillions that Joe has pledged to spend on it, if you're against giving Iranian mullahs, you know, billions of taxpayer dollars uh, and, and you want, you know, justices like Amy Coney Barrett, who's been phenomenal on the bench, then just do your part and get out and vote and understand that their stated policies would literally turn this country up on its end and in all it would alter this country to its core. This is a fundamentally uh, this is a profound choice election. The strategy is clear. You have institutional forces, the Democratic Party. They hate Donald Trump. It's not that they like Joe Biden at all. Joe Biden is, frankly, a non-factor for them in this. You know, he's an empty vessel, and they know it, too. That's another part of aspect of all of this. And he's viewed, and people like AOC have even said as much, they, they know they can easily manipulate him and that he's going to adopt Bolshevik Bernie's economic plan, AOC's new Green Deal. He takes the most liberal senator from California, Kamala Harris, 
and and everything that they're doing now is about hiding Joe and the mob and the media. Another massive institutional force against Donald Trump. It's not that they love Joe Biden necessarily. They just hate Trump more. And their desire is to defeat Donald Trump. And they think we are a bunch of ignorant, smelly Walmart shoppers, irredeemable deplorables clinging to our God, our Second Amendment, our Bibles and religion. And frankly, if we really could get to the deeper inner thoughts of a lot of these institutions that are so forceful against Donald Trump, it's we the people that they hate as much as him and have nothing but contempt that we elected Donald Trump as a disruptor for the swamp in D.C., I'm telling you right now, I cannot tell you definitively what the outcome of this this election in 20 days is going to be. I wish I could. I can't. I don't have a magic crystal ball and I don't receive visions from above. If I did, I probably would be in another line of work. But I can tell you if you see these policies as stated by Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Bolshevik Bernie, AOC, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, as dangerous to the country, if you see their desire for the biggest power grab through court packing, adding states, amnesty for millions uh, as a means of creating voting blocks and incentives and something of value in the hopes that they will remain loyal Democrats for generations to come in the hopes that they'll have a majority in the Senate in perpetuity in the hopes that everything they could never get done legislatively or get done at the ballot box by appealing to your to the American voters on the issue of ideas and and convincing you that packing the court is a good thing. It'll literally usurp all the power of the other so-called co-equal branches of government and all the justices that they would appoint will legislate from the bench. They'll end the legislative uh, filibuster in the process. It'll all be a fader complete. Only one who said it is Chuck Schumer. He's honest. I'm not working this hard my, my ass off to become the Senate majority leader only to blah, blah, blah. Which, by the way, does bring into account that if you're voting, by the way, if you need information about voting, we have an interactive informational map on Hannity.com. You know, how do you register in your state? Registration is going to end in some states very soon. If you haven't, you want to be a part of this, go to Hannity.com. All that information is there. When early voting starts or started already, it has in many states. When it ends, how do you vote absentee? If you want to vote absentee this year, where do you vote? Who is running in your congressional district? Do you have an important Senate race? Alabama does. It's uh, the hopes of the Republicans that Doug Jones will be sent packing. It's the hope that Cory Gardner can hold on in Colorado, which he's been actually a great senator. It's the hope that Martha McSally can hang on. Uh, Her opponent, by the way, Mark Kelly, now is involved in issues involving China himself, apparently. And now there's a big controversy there. Um, And Martha McSally's done a great job. None of these Democrats would vote for Amy Coney Barrett. None of them. They would they they want leftist activist justices on the Supreme Court. They will all go along with the court packing scheme. They will all go along with amnesty. They will all go along with the new Green Deal. They will all go along with higher taxes. They will all go along with the most radical agenda of any major party ever in the history of the country. It's an important race. Tom Tillis's race in North Carolina is huge. And right now, even though apparently his his 
uh, competitor, Cal Cunningham, has been exposed as having had multiple affairs, etc., uh, is down a little bit in that race. Susan Collins in Maine, her race is very important. Joni Ernst, her race and her reelection in, in Iowa is critical for the U.S. Senate. In Montana, Steve Daines' race is critical as well. Uh, at some point, uh, we're going to get into the Kelly Loeffler and Doug Collins battle going on in, in Georgia. David Perdue is going to join us later. His race is important down in the great state of Georgia. Uh, you got a race in Kansas where you have the Republican uh, congressman, Roger Marshall, a great candidate. Uh, hopefully, you know, that's a seat that we could win with Roger Marshall. Uh, Lindsey Graham, he's up about six in the latest poll in South Carolina in spite of literally, you know, like $100 million being sent by the likes of Barbara Streisand and Rosie O'Donnell. Michigan Senator, uh, I'll tell you, John James would be a rock star addition to the U.S. Senate. I, he, I think he's like my favorite newcomer in all of politics. He's been a, on this program. He's a great guy. He can win that race in Michigan. I'm telling you right now, that is a competitive race. Uh, in Alaska, it's Dan Sullivan has got to win his race. Apparently, he's pretty close in the polling. John Cornyn is up in Texas. That's an important seat to hang on to. Mitch McConnell's race in Kentucky. That's going on. So there's a lot of, a lot of races. We have it all on Hannity.com if you want to check it out. Um, but I don't let anybody take away your enthusiasm because that that's also part of it. Just if you want to inform yourself, what we are facing is a real radical extreme socialist, you know, out of the mainstream agenda. They are not even they're trying to just say nothing and hide. Joe Biden has another lid on his campaign already today. Another lid. That means he's not he's not going to talk for the rest of the day. He did it for half the month of September. He goes out on the campaign trail the last two days, and it has been a, a fury of one one mess up after another. He can't hold it together. The saddest thing in all of this is the mob and the media knows it. But their hatred of all things Donald Trump literally drives them to ignore it and never do their job. It's it's beyond sick. We, you want to know about America facing a, a constitutional crisis? Joe Biden wins. This is not going to be good for the United States of America. This is they can see he's weak and frail and they can see that he's struggling cognitively. Everybody sees it. Joe Biden, when he was vice president, was not this way. Obviously, there's something going on, and it's all being covered up. All of it. Uh, you know, Axios had a great piece. Joe Biden's the luckiest, least scrutinized frontrunner ever. And it matters, they rightly point out, is that the media's obsession with hating Trump. And, you know, that that, that is the driving force. It's basically, it's not even a night... It's not become a referendum election on the radicalism of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Bolshevik, Bernie, AOC, Pelosi and Schumer, as it should be. It's how much can you hate Donald Trump and their new strategy? Democratic strategy is clear. It was in the Hill. Run out the clock, run out the clock and hopefully get people to vote before they see more cognitive decline in Joe Biden. Um, so that's what you we're up against here. 
And at the Trump campaign, for example, the rally this week in Florida, uh, 30% of rally attendees were not Republicans. 24% did not vote in 2016, Ronna McDaniel, who is the RNC chairwoman, put out. I mean, that is fat. That's a fascinating. How do you poll that? How do you factor that in as to what's going to happen? The states that matter are obvious. It's always Florida. It's always Georgia, North Carolina, the Buckeye state of Ohio. It's it's always Arizona. Hopefully Nevada can be in play this year. It should be. Democrats have not done a good job out there. Then it's certainly Iowa is very important. Certainly, then then now we get into Pennsylvania. And Joe and Kamala said it repeatedly. They're going to end fracking. I'm not going to end fracking. They said it repeatedly. And I don't think after the election, they're going to care that they change their mind again. Then it's uh, Wisconsin and Michigan. Maybe Minnesota. I don't know. It was pretty close the last time. And you, then you got to play in a state like New Hampshire. The second congressional district of Maine matters a lot. And that's what it comes down to. And those are the states that are going to matter the most, assuming that, you know, California remains deeply blue. Oregon remains deeply blue. Washington remains deeply blue. Illinois, New York, New Jersey, deeply blue. I mean, that's a big, big electoral advantage every election for any Democrat that's running for office. So now these rules changes last minute or should scare everybody. But there's a lot at stake for this country. And uh, your vote's going to matter. Off, it means simple man. That means Wednesday. That means Leonard Skinner. There's 20 days, our 20-day countdown to election day. Zero experience. Hunter is going to be in the forefront of the news in the days to come. It is an avalanche of information that is coming out. A total, complete avalanche. Uh, The smoking gun email in the New York Post today is only the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Let's start, though, with Nancy Pelosi having a meltdown with uh, Wolfie Blitzer over at Fake News CNN over the COVID relief bill. Only tough question I've ever can remember a Democrat getting at Fake News CNN. Is that what this is all about? Uh, Not allow the president to take credit if there's a deal that will help millions of Americans right now? He's not that important. But let me say this. With all due respect... With all due respect, and you know we've known each other a long time, you really don't know what you're talking about. I wish you you would respect the knowledge that goes into getting uh, meeting the needs of the American people. But again, you've been on JAG defending the administration all this time with no knowledge of the difference between our two bills. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that to you in person. Madam Speaker, these are... Yeah, Madam Speaker. But she hasn't had her finest moments lately. Anyway, joining us with 20 Days to Go, our 20-day countdown to Election Day, his uh, latest number one best-selling book, part of his killing series, Killing Crazy Horse. Uh, killing Hannity apparently is number 19 on the list. Uh, I'll be dead by then, but, you know, I wish you luck and hope that becomes number one, too. Mr. O'Reilly, how are you, sir? I can't kill you, Hannity. Uh, you know too much kung fu. 
Are we trying to figure out ways to get you, but we can't get you? Oh, my gosh. It's not karate. It's not kung fu. It's mixed martial arts, but then whatever. Uh, You're welcome. By the way, you are very welcome if you'd like to come train one day. I know, Uh, but I'm afraid of Grasshopper. I'm afraid of him. <laughs> Remember, the student is grasshopper. If you're oh, going to talk about oh. the the series, I knew but... there was an insect in there somewhere. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. You don't have you ever heard of Krav Maga Kempo, uh, Japanese Jiu Jitsu? Have you? I, even... I ordered that. I ordered that at the Roku restaurant. Oh boy. Oh very boy. Very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. You know what? You are a lost cause. All right. With 20 <laughs> days out, um, I want to get to the Hunter stuff in a, a second because I, it's going to be big news now for the next for the rest of the news cycle uh-huh. leading up to Election Day. How do you see the race? Uh, what's your take? I don't believe all the polling. Uh, they've been wrong so often. I, I don't think anybody should think one way or the other about them. Look at them anecdotally. And just believe that your vote matters, especially in a swing state. That's what I'm telling everybody. Well, I analyze the Rasmussen poll every day on BillOReilly.com. And that is the most accurate poll, in my opinion. Today, it's uh, Biden ahead of Trump 50 to 45, which is almost within the margin of error. Um, But it doesn't really matter because in 20 days, Donald Trump can close pretty quickly uh, if there is um, some kind of an event that catches people's attention. So the Supreme Court hearing, that's not really catching anybody's attention. It's dull. Uh, It's a foregone conclusion that Judge Barrett will be confirmed. That's not going to do it. Uh, The town halls tomorrow night, the dueling town halls, the only thing interesting there is how vicious NBC News is going to be and the contrast between how NBC treats the president and, uh, what is it, ABC treats Joe Biden. That's fascinating, and we'll analyze that very, very closely. If there is a final debate a week from tomorrow night in Tennessee at Belmont University, that is a crucial moment for Donald Trump. He has got to be very authoritative there, deal with his personal COVID experience, and then turn around and say that Joe Biden is a real danger to the United States. And this is why, very specifically. So there's plenty of things that can turn the thing around. Well, I mean, this is the thing about elections. That's why we have the election. What's different a little bit this time is all this early voting and all these efforts to change just even in the last hundred days uh, voting laws in many, many states, which is a little scary. Uh, Zogby had a poll of the swing states that actually had Trump ahead in these swing states. Uh, My honest assessment, just looking as an observer and reading all of it, is that the race is super, super tight. Um, there could be an event, as you say, that could blow blow this out of the water for one side or the other. Uh, I do have a lot of knowledge about what is about to hit the Biden campaign, and it is bad. It is about corruption on a level with evidence and proof, and it's just the tip of the iceberg what broke in the New York Post today. Well, it's got to be very vivid, though. Um, linking the son to the father. See, nobody cares about Hunter Biden. Everybody's pretty much... Well, that, that, that email, smoking gun email, revealed how Hunter Biden did introduce the Burisma people uh, to Joe Biden, and Joe Biden is on record denying he knew anything about the business. All right. And I'm not surprised about it. 
But you've got to frame that, not you, but the Trump campaign, and to say this is why it matters to you, the American voter. All right, this is what it. This is the big picture here. Guys, corrupt. All right, Joe Biden is not only is he at the end of the trail, a man for no seasons, as I call him, um, but he's corrupt. And you've got to break it down because once you say Burisma, you know the average voter goes what. What? I mean, they're just not dialed into that. And remember, the New York Times and the Washington Post are both holding stories back, anti-Trump stories, that they will drop the last week of the campaign. All right, both newspapers are holding stories back. I don't know what they are, all right, but I know that is their final attempt to destroy Donald Trump, and it will happen. So, again, in the next three weeks, are going to be very exciting, and if you're looking at it from that point of view, um, I do believe Donald Trump can win, but he can't make any more mistakes. I think that's the same for Biden, too. <clears throat> now, Biden has been out on the campaign trail for two days, and it is, he's been a nothing but a gaff machine. Um, Ronnie Jackson, who used to be President Obama's doctor and was a doctor for three presidents, says, I've watched presidents. I, I know how hard that job is. And he does not believe that Joe Biden is physically, uh, mentally strong enough for the job based on what he's observing every day on television. And I, I, I'm, I'm observing somebody that is struggling cognitively. Most people, you know, it's interesting. They brought it up about Reagan. They brought it up about McCain. The mob and the media doesn't want to even touch it as it relates to Joe and they cover up for him. Uh, but Bill, it is very obvious. He's weak and he's frail and he's struggling. It's, it's very obvious. He does not seem up to the job. Your thoughts. I saw Dr. Jackson on your program, and what really struck me about uh, his analysis is that he was Barack Obama's physician. And, and I didn't know that. I should have known it. I should have. But I, and I went, wow, that's right. Now, if you're a physician to a president, you are a trusted member of the entourage of which Joe Biden was a part. So you know Jackson knew Biden 10 years ago. Okay, exactly. you know that he can has a basis of comparison now, and that's what really struck me about he wouldn't do that. Jackson Jackson's got nothing to win. He's got nothing to win by going on your program and saying that, other than he's a patriotic American and he wants to tell the truth. That interview that you did, I thought was very very instructive. But you, did you notice that uh, the New York Times and all of these network news, they didn't pick it up? And that just reinforces what you just said. They're covering up for Biden. And they're covering up for Biden because they don't believe old Joe is going to be in charge. And we've discussed this before. Do you think Kamala Harris is up to the job? I wrote a column on BillOReilly.com. You can read it now. Entitled, She is Speaking. This woman is dangerous. She's dangerous, all right? Because if you look at her career, the arc of her career, at one time she was a pretty responsible prosecutor, tough on crime, um, told people that this was the origins of crime, lack of education, lack of parental responsibility, fathers abandoning families, all those things are true. Now, totally different, 180 degrees different. So she, I've seen two people in my career that have power written on their forehead. I want power. One, 
is Nancy Pelosi, and the other is Kamala Harris. It's naked power that they want. Now, once you get a person in there who's going to do anything, literally anything, to build her power base, that frightens me. We both know Trump, okay? Now, Trump loves power, loves it, but he doesn't love it more than money. Money is his number one. But Trump won't do anything, all right? He won't. There's a line that he's not going to cross. I don't believe there is any line for Pelosi and Harris. I could be wrong, but that's my belief. Why is the hatred so visceral against him by so many institutions like the media, like the Democratic Party, rhino Republicans? I can identify and answer that question very, very specifically. By the way, it kind of reminds me of you. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly uh, right. Uh, I went through it. So here I come out of nowhere. By the um, way, now I'm living in your, you know, in your yeah. shadow, and it's not fun. It was so much easier when you were there taking all the hits. Right. So you took the mantle for me. So 24 years <laughs> ago, a lot. I, come out of no- I come out of nowhere. All right. And then I build up a success that was unprecedented on cable news. And I speak my mind every night. And the establishment network people, they hate me. All right. I used to work at the networks and they're all oh, rally. He's never going to make it. But so therefore, I'm more powerful than they are. And then the left in America, they see a centrist, traditional guy like me basically destroying their arguments. And then they see me getting interviews with Barack Obama, all right, and, and big ones, you know, Super Bowl interviews. And so they go, we've got to destroy this guy. We've got to go after him. We've got to throw everything we can at him. And they did. But I had protection, all right, uh, in the form of Roger Ailes and, and the apparatus that he created. So I know what Donald Trump is going through, and it's the same reason. So Trump goes, goes uh, to get the power, political power. Everybody in the establishment, they call it the swamp, says he's not qualified. He's a game show host. Get him out of here. And then he wins. He beats all the establishment Republicans. Why do you think the Bush family hates him so much? Because he destroyed Jeb Bush on the debate stage. All right. And then the left hates him because his constituency are conservatives. So they hate him. So then everything they can do to him, they do. And that causes him to react. And instead of, like, cowering and saying, oh, I'm sorry, he goes back to them and fake news. And if, if, all right, let me get to this this question when we come back. Uh, Bill O'Reilly with us, his uh, latest number one best-selling book, Crazy Horse, uh, Killing Crazy Horse, part of a, his, his historical killing series that he does. Uh, it's in bookstores everywhere and Amazon.com and BillOReilly.com. And as we continue, Bill O'Reilly with us, all things O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com, uh, including his new number one bestseller, Killing Crazy Horse. Uh, congrats again on the book. Okay, so we were talking about Donald Trump fights back. And it's become a big part of the narrative. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just the way I was raised. Um, different time, different place. But um, I'm not offended when a president fights to keep promises on judges and taxes and ending the bureaucracy and cleaning the swamp and and finding and fighting for the money for the wall and fighting for better trade deals and uh, not afraid to to fight and take out the caliphate in Syria and Soleimani and Baghdadi and all the other things that Trump has done. Um, I don't expect him to turn that fighter 
instinct off uh, because people say, well, now is the moment you must not fight. Um, it doesn't make sense to me, to be honest. No, I mean, I'm with you. I'm pugnacious, and I, I don't want to uh, give the enemy uh, any quarter and let them go on offense. I, I, look, if you know Donald Trump is the way we do, I wrote a book on him, The United States of Trump. He's always been that way since he's um, 10 years old. All right, that's him. And I accept it. I'm not offended by it. I do believe the news agencies run by the corporations are mostly corrupt. Um, and he has a perfect right to defend himself. But now, as we uh, come into uh, the most important day of his life, his reelection day, he's got to be more deliberate, more methodical. He's got to look into the eyes of the voters and say, you may not like me. I understand. My style is a bit rough. But if these people win, every single American is going to be hurt. And that's true. And then yeah. he lays out how. If he does that and then says, this is what I'm going to do, I think he's going to win. But if it's still, you know, this one said that and I'm going after this one, that's not worth it anymore. You've got to do big picture now. All right. Bill O'Reilly, all things O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com. Sir, thank you for being with us. 20 days till you, the... Uh, viewer, listener, you are the ultimate jury. You get to decide. Uh, we'll check in on the Senate race when we get back. Uh, and we have more information on this smoking gun email that was revealed in the New York Post and much more as we continue. All right, 24 now till the top of the hour. There are really pivotal, very important uh, Senate races. Actually, there's about 15 of them that will decide the power in the Senate uh, assuming Democrats don't win and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris don't pack the courts and add D.C. and, and other places like Puerto Rico as statehood, which I think is part of their power grab plan. Uh, again, that they're not answering any questions. Uh, you got the Alabama race that everybody's paying attention to. I would think that uh, Tommy, uh, what's his name, T uh, Tuberville, will beat Doug Jones in, in that particular race. The Cory Gardner race. Colorado is more blue than red. He's got an uphill battle in, in that in that race where he's running, but he's still also very well liked. Uh, watching the Martha McSally race against Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly now has some controversy as it relates to China himself. Uh, we've got the huge controversy that emerged in the North Carolina race with Tom Tillis and Cal Cunningham. Cal Cunningham uh, apparently you know, having multiple affairs, and it just came out more recently. Susan Collins always has a tough race in Maine. Um, Joni Ernst is up in Iowa, although I think she's ahead in that race, and uh, I would think that she would win that race. Uh, Montani of Steve Daines, uh, he's running a tight race with Steve Bullock. A lot of tough races. Georgia now, you've got the the primary runoff of uh, Senator Kelly Loeffler and, and Doug Collins. That'll happen later, but you'll have on Election Day, uh, David Perdue uh, is running in that race, who's done a great job, by the way, as a senator from the great state of Georgia. Uh, and he joins us now. Uh, senator, how are you? Welcome back to the program. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, how's your race going down in Georgia? Last I saw you were ahead, but, you know, Georgia seems to have tightened a little bit. There's, there's been an, a, some demographic shift to d the Democratic Party. Have, uh, so Georgia was obviously a little bit hard, a little bit harder than it was in the past. How do you see that playing a part in this race? And what did you make of the first day in person voting numbers, which broke records? 
Well, the uh, Georgia is the rated the best state in the country in which to do business. So we're attracting people from California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey. And, you know, they're mostly Democrats. We've added two and almost two and a half million new voters, Sean, since I was elected in 14 in Georgia. These are active voters. So Georgia is a much more balanced uh, red-blue state than it ever has been. Now, our momentum is good. It's coming to us right now, but it's been a tight race because of those demographics. I run against somebody, though, that has really, he has no platform other than be a rubber stamp for Joe Biden. And the fact that the, the radical left seems to have gotten a foothold in Georgia behind Stacey Abrams and now John Ossoff. My question is, when you look at the areas of Georgia, like when I lived there, Cobb County was a heavily Republican county. That's that's changed somewhat. What's gone on? Well, it's a demographic move, the same thing. Uh, people moving into the state are moving into these four or five counties around Atlanta that uh, are now moving to be a little more blue. I won Cobb County by double digits last time. Our, I think our governor lost the county. Same thing in a few other counties around suburban Atlanta. So this race really hinges on, I think, women in the suburbs. Same thing for President Trump. And we are obviously speaking to them about the hypocrisy of the Democratic Party, the fact that they pandered to African-Americans for the last 50 years and really ignored women, too. So when you look at their record, it's really abysmal. Eight years under Barack Obama, Sean, 800,000 Americans fell into poverty. And yet in three and a half years pre-COVID, 6.6 million people were lifted out of poverty because of what Donald Trump's done with this economy. Well, I think that's the point. Uh, how is Donald Trump doing down there? How are his poll numbers doing in Georgia? Georgia is a must-win state for the president, as well as North Carolina and Florida. I think President Trump and I are going to win. Um, it's a tight race, but he's been in tight races before. The polls don't pick up some of his support, and they don't pick up some of mine either, Sean. As an outsider, uh, when I ran in 14, they had me down 8 to 10 points, and we won by over 8 points. They had Trump down five or six points. He won by five points without ever even coming to the state. I was his chairman in the state, and we kept him out primarily because we knew we were going to win. Now I think it's much tighter. He's coming um, possibly even this week. He may be here a couple times. Ivanka was here yesterday. Don Jr. has been here. So they're making a full-court push to, to help uh, make sure Georgia does not slide over to the blue side. But I think Donald Trump's going to win Georgia, and I think he's going to win the Electoral College by a bunch. I could not believe how impressive ACB is, Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, what are your thoughts on her? And uh, I think the Democrats came off as shallow and petty and mean-spirited uh, as usual. Uh, certainly not as mean as they were to Justice Kavanaugh, but I could not believe, I mean, beyond impressive in terms of knowledge of the law and the, her ability to handle all the incoming that the Democrats were trying to throw at her. Two things. If every American can meet uh, ACB, they would absolutely march on Washington and say, of course, this needs to be our next justice of the Supreme Court. The Democrats are playing pure poli uh, partisan politics. Uh, Sean, you call it out every day multiple times. There is no reason why she should not be confirmed. They're playing the game. Oh, well, you said this in 16, and now you want to do this. Well, they reversed as well. But here's the problem for them. This is totally historic. The historical legacy backs us up to go ahead and nominate and confirm. And I think now, having a conversation with uh, our leadership, we will actually get that done before the election, get her confirmed. Uh, which I think is and the, the Democrats are trying to redefine what the word court packing is. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris refused to answer on court packing. We know they're both on record as supporting amnesty for what, 11, 15 million people. 
Uh, I think right. that is a power grab in and of itself. I think appreciative people, you give something of value like citizenship, uh, might entice people to vote for Democrats. Uh, I think it, it should not happen. I, I don't think you reward people for not respecting our laws, our borders and our sovereignty. Um, you add to that D.C. statehood and, and other elsewhere. I mean, that would be a Senate power grab in the minds of, I think, the Democratic Party. And then packing the court. Do you think they'd actually do it? Oh, absolutely. I believe Chuck Schumer when he says he's worked too hard to get to be the majority leader, not to get things done. Not only will he do that, he'll add D.C. and Puerto Rico's new states, and he eventually wants to get rid of the uh, Electoral College. I mean, what he's talking about, Sean, and you called this out before, is that he really wants a one-party state. By packing the court, he will remove the balance that we've enjoyed for 230 years between the executive, legislative, and judicial branches. This is what they want. They want a Supreme Court that will make law, not just apply law. And goodness gracious, they don't want a, a Supreme Court that will support the Constitution. They want to rewrite that. Um, the Second Amendment is, is in play, and even the First Amendment, with court cases where sermon have, sermons have to be approved by local judges and that sort of thing. So, yes, I believe absolutely Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer will, will pack the court. And that's the, probably the most dangerous thing I hear coming out of that, besides just the, the extreme spending they're talking about between the new, new Green Deal or whatever and, you know, uh, Medicare for all and all of that. The socialized medicine thing is just a joke. But what they also want, and listen to this, this is where they pander to their side. They are champions against human trafficking. We have a human trafficking problem in Georgia. And yet my opponent, John Ossoff, and Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden all want open borders and sanctuary cities. Both of those things enable traffickers. This is the, the irony and the hypocrisy of the Democrats. Uh, and if we can show that to the people, I think we win big nationwide. All right. Uh, Senator Perdue of uh, the great state of Georgia. We're watching Georgia closely. We'll be watching on election night uh, only 20 days from now as we begin and kick off our 20 day countdown. Uh, we wish all the best in your race, Senator. We'll be watching closely and uh, stay in touch with us. Sean, thank you. People can help us at PurdueSenate.com, P-E-R-D-U-E, Senate.com. Sean, thanks a lot. You're the best. All right, Senator, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. News Roundup Information Overload next hour. The latest on Amy Coney Barrett and the latest on Hunter Biden and zero experience Hunter and his father did know about his business dealings. All right, let's go to our busy telephones. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Uh, all right, let's say hi to Valerie is in Florida. Valerie, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Glad you called. Such a pleasure. I just want to say to talk to you and finally get through. I do want to actually set the record straight. I was actually at the Donald Trump Jr. event on Sunday here in Orlando. Massive mm -hmm. turnout. I've been following Trump, of course, since 2016. People in Florida are totally engaged. So people at the Donald Trump Jr. event, we had a rain out, 95 degree humidity. People stood there and listened to every word he said. So you know what? Florida is more engaged than ever. And these polls saying, you know, Biden's ahead and he's going to win Florida. I just got to tell you, living in it, there's no way. People, I haven't seen the excitement from people like this ever in Florida. And I, and I can tell you, driving through the Democrat communities that you typically drive through, they're all Trump signs. There is not one Biden sign in some of those communities. So I can just tell straight hand, first hand in Florida, the polls are definitely fake. There are so many people out in the street. I, I, I tell you, so last night I said on TV, I don't believe the polls. I didn't believe them in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, 
I've watched this happen too often over the years. For example, the exit polls in 2004 said John Kerry was going to be the next president, that George W. Bush lost his reelection race. Uh, Dick Cheney, the then vice president, called us on Election Day on this very radio program and was pleading with people in Ohio and Florida and the panhandle in particular in southwest Florida to get out and vote. Uh, they were wrong. They were wrong in 2016. Not only all the polls leading up to the election, but the exit polls showed that Hillary Clinton was elected president. I remember poor Frank Luntz read the exit polls, was in Times Square. He was on Fox News saying it's over. Hillary's going to be the next president. Uh, it didn't work out that way. And I think that there is always an effort to deflate enthusiasm of people. And I am telling my audience uh, I cannot that I don't know who's going to win. I don't have a crystal ball. I can tell you don't believe them because they don't know either. And I don't well, think Donald he, Trump polls as a traditional politician. I don't think he ever has. I don't think he ever will. And by saying that, they were like Hannity's telling people he doesn't believe the polls. I'm like, why should I? They're wrong all the time. I, you know, to trust these people with agendas. I'm sorry. I don't trust them. Um, so I'm telling people, you might read the polls. Uh, why am I even going to bother to vote? Don't believe them. And that's I'm just telling you they've been wrong so often. Why should we believe them? Well, and, you know, ask yourself this question. We had the Sanford rally on Monday. People were in line at 5 a.m. That didn't even start until 7 p.m. OK, so who would stand in line for Biden for how many hours in the 95 degree humidity? I mean, we haven't cooled down here yet. And the devotion to Trump. Miles and miles and miles and thousands of people that are engaged in waiting to see President Trump. I mean, come on, look at Biden's crowds. What do we get? Less than 20, if you're lucky. I mean, come on. So, yeah, the polls are just so superficial. I don't think there's enthusiasm for Biden. I think there's hatred of Donald Trump, though, that is driving a lot of... That that's why the media is covering for Joe Biden's cognitive weaknesses and his frailty and everything in between. Uh, why they won't talk about zero experience Hunter, why they won't talk about the rest of his family getting rich is because they're covering for the whole family because they hate Donald Trump more than they you know want to tell the people of this country the truth. And that's sad. And that's why they're fake news. You have to ask yourself, though, do you really do you hate socialism? Because that's where we're going. Or even worse yet, communism, if Biden gets in. So you got to ask yourself that question. If your hatred of Trump goes yep. that far to push us into communism, then you know what? What do I say? Your Live free or die. Must be. Exactly. I mean, it's just yeah. really sad. But you're right. Get out and vote. And I mean, get out in person. Don't trust All right, Valerie. Ballots. Thank Don't you. Trust Look, I just I have to tell people the truth. It's my job. I've seen this game before and I watched it. And sometimes it's an effective tactic. They make you think your candidate has no chance of winning. Now, I've also seen and observed, you know, polls show somebody's 15 points down and the candidates. Those polls are wrong. And you know that they're usually right. The crowds. We're not talking about Trump sized crowds. They think 100 people is a big crowd. So you, you can they can be right. But when they want to be wrong, they'll be wrong. All right. Glad you're with us. News Roundup and information overload at an hour here on the Sean Hannity show. Uh, so we've been watching the petty Democrats just uh, I mean, just as rude and condescending as they can be. I want to play some of the, the highlights of the last two days regarding this. And and their she their ACB, as we call her, Amy Coney Barrett. 
Uh, apparently, it drives liberals crazy because uh, that, that is disrespectful for RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No, it's not. Um, I, I don't think ACB could have been any more complimentary of RBG. And it's a little easier to say. And you can it's that, it's that simple. Uh, but anyway, long story short, uh, it is typical. We've watched what they've done to Robert Bork and Clarence Thomas and more recently Justice uh, Kavanaugh. But they're just seething with anger and they are falsely trying to say this is court packing. It's not court packing. This has happened 29 times in history where there has been a Supreme Court opening during a presidential election year. All 29 times presidents have made nominations to the court, even honest Abe. During the election year, when the Senate came back in session, I guess dishonest Kamala didn't quite have her history right. Here are some of the lowlights, if you will, of the uh, Democrats from yesterday and today. Does the Constitution give the president of the United States the authority to unilaterally delay a general election under any circumstances? Does federal law? If I give off-the-cuff answers, then I would be basically a legal pundit. And I don't think we want judges to be legal pundits. I think we want judges to approach cases thoughtfully and with an open mind. Is Roe a super precedent? How would you define super precedent? I, I, I actually, I might have thought someday I'd be sitting in that chair. I'm not. I'm up here, so I'm asking okay, you. Okay, well, people use super precedent differently. Okay. Are you willing to say that Roe was correctly decided? Because that's really the essence of the question here. Um, well, Senator, as I've said, you know, to others of your colleagues in response to questioning, that it's inconsistent with the duties of a sitting judge, and therefore has been the practice of every nominee that sat in the seat before me to take positions on cases that the court has decided in the past. Since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No, Senator Hirono. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? No, Senator. But I, I want to just ask you very simply, and I, I imagine you'll give me a very short, resolute answer. Um, but you condemn white supremacy, correct? Yes. Thank you. I'm glad to see that you said that. I wish our president uh, would say that so resolutely and unequivocally as well. I do share Justice Scalia's approach to text, originalism and textualism. But in the litany of cases that you've just identified, the particular votes that he's, he cast are a different question of whether I would agree with the way that he applied those principles in particular cases. And I've already said, you know, and, and I hope that you aren't suggesting that I don't have my own mind or that I, I couldn't think independently or that I would just decide like, oh, let me see what Justice Scalia has said about this in the past, because I assure you I have my own mind. Um, but it, everything that he said um, is not necessarily what I would agree with or what I would do if I were Justice Barrett. That was Justice Scalia. I all right. Joining us now is Carrie Severino. She's the chief counsel, policy director, Judicial Crisis Network. Greg Jarrett, author of the best-selling books, the, the Russia Hoax and Witch Hunt, and host of The Brief, which is his new podcast, by the way. Uh, welcome, both of you. You know, I, I was watching and paying very close attention. They wanted, in this particular case, Amy Coney Barrett to tell them specifically how she is going to rule on cases which would violate the Ruth Bader Ginsburg rule. No hints, no idea. You don't give any telegraph of any th way you might rule. And she wasn't asked, and she was asked repeatedly. 
constantly harassing uh, Amy Coney Barrett into into saying whether she would recuse herself should an issue involving the 2020 election come into play. Uh, that would be ridiculous and absurd to me. Uh, Greg Jarrett, your thoughts? Well, I expected, you know, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse to be a total goofball. He didn't disappoint. Maisie Hirono to be, you know, ignorant and asinine, and she didn't disappoint either. Cory Booker, of course, who, you know, is intoxicated by his own self-importance, reprised his role as Spartacus, as he did in the Kavanaugh hearing. What I really didn't expect, Sean, was for... Kamala Harris, the vice presidential nominee, to so badly stumble and fumble and mumble her way through what was clearly a campaign script written by somebody, not her, and and then Amy Coney Barrett absolutely drop kicks her with ease. And and so the lesson here is that that these rather obtuse Democratic senators are no match for the brilliance of Judge Barrett, because intelligence always annuls hubris and malice, and that's been on full display now. This is the third day. As Democrats now have said, everything is on the table, uh, Carrie Severino, and that means court packing. Uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris steadfastly refuse to answer a question. They even Joe Biden going as far as to say we don't deserve an answer which kind of was a little shocking considering he wants to be president. You'd think he'd be more honest and open and transparent on where he would stand on such a controversial issue that would literally destabilize the the balance of power between the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch, usurping the power of the, the other two branches, if in fact they ever did this in many ways. Um, so I guess I have to believe that that is their plan. Your thoughts? Uh, absolutely. I think there's a reason that Joe Biden, he doesn't even want an October surprise year. He's hoping for a November surprise where vote for me and then surprise, you find out what my actual positions are. Look, if his position was to be respectful of the tripartite uh, system of government, he wouldn't have to be so evasive. But uh, what we know the Democrats want here, they don't want someone like Barrett, who has been so clear that she is a judge who's going to simply follow the law, not politics. They just want a, a Democratic super legislature uh, on the bench. And it sounds like, as you were said, they're willing to do whatever it takes to get it. That should be really chilling for Americans and very chilling that Harris and Biden aren't willing to reject such a ridiculous proposal that even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, even Bernie Sanders acknowledged this would be a really horrible idea, horrible for the court, horrible for America. I see three specific power grab opportunities for the Democrats if, God forbid, Joe Biden became president. And I don't think he's qualified to be president. And I don't think he has the strength, the stamina and the mental alertness and acuity at this point in his life to do the job. Uh, Greg Jarrett, that's my own humble opinion. Uh, Him stumbling and fumbling anytime he has to speak off the cuff is an embarrassment. Uh, But putting all that aside, he's already said he supports amnesty and the United Sanctuary States of America. Well, you'd be giving people that didn't respect our borders, our laws and sovereignty something of value, I would assume. You would hope that they might also then vote for you. That would be a significant new voting block that would impact impact elections in the future. Uh, D.C., Puerto Rico, statehood, perhaps even more. 
in the hopes that Democrats would get a, a permanent majority in the U- United States Senate. Uh, court packing where they would get things done that they could never get done at the ballot box or legislatively. Uh, so to me, this would be the biggest power grab in 150 years. Am I wrong on any of these three points? No, you're right on all of them. Think of the arrogance of this. I mean, the Democratic nominee for the President of the United States refuses to address some of the vital issues, uh, saying that, well, you'll find out about it after you elect me. My Lord, uh, that, that's really quite stunning. The, the truth of the matter is he doesn't want to sit, tell you the truth uh, because he fears the fallout. Yes. Of course he endorses packing the court. Otherwise, he would say, no, I don't support that. Yes, he wants to get rid of the filibuster to help him if he's president, but he won't tell you that because, again, he doesn't want to suffer the voter backlash. So this is uh, a, a, an outrageous power grab based on a refusal to answer legitimate questions. Frankly, I mean, I've been covering... For four decades, presidential elections, I have never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. It does not seem, uh, and, and I've had a couple of friends of mine say, you got to explain it better. you got to explain it better. Well, I'm, I, I, Carrie, I'm trying to the best of my ability. You're the attorneys here. I'll let you give it your best shot. Court packing would be, we, we've had nine Supreme Court justices for 150 plus years to add additional justices that would be appointed by liberal Democrats that have a judicial activism philosophy where they can legislate from the bench, executive fiat, there's no accountability, it's a lifetime position, Uh, they're not responsible to the voters, but it could literally, you know, they could get things through the courts that ultimately could never change, they could ever change legislatively, uh, thereby altering America, our Constitution potentially, our Bill of Rights potentially, in ways that, that are frankly unimaginable, but it's a real possibility. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's not in the Constitution how many numbers of justices there are, so all they would have to do is pass a law to do it. But there's a reason we haven't in 150 years changed that. This is a norm that has, there's an understanding you can, as a president, nominate a justice to fill an empty seat. But the idea that we're going to add seats, not because, oh, there's a there's a problem with the uh, workload or they need help. No, it's explicit. It's explicitly we want more nominees who will bring our agenda forward on the bench. You know, look, the Supreme Court is not the place to advance your partisan agenda. These are judges who are supposed to be apolitical and, like Amy Coney Barrett, is supposed to be looking at what the law says. If you had 15, 20 judges who were actually looking at the law, it wouldn't be a risk. But what we're talking about are people trying to put on the court judges who would effectively be reading their own law into the laws that our elected representatives have passed, into the Constitution, changing those. And that's not how our Constitution works. We should be changing those only by the will of the people, not by the will of unelected judges. So they're going to try to use those judges to lock in political gains in a way that I think is brazen and frightening. Uh, The hearings with Amy Coney Barrett seem to be going very, very well. So uh, her last day of of testifying is today. And then I guess they have, uh, you know, whatever they have internally that they need to do with the Senate Judiciary Committee. That's next. Um, They may not vote her out of committee when that doesn't happen. If that doesn't happen, what is next, Greg Jarrett? 
can go straight to the floor. It doesn't, uh, according to the rules, have to come out of committee. Uh, and, and look what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, Dianne Feinstein released the witnesses that Democrats are calling. And these are all people, not scholars or, or, or lawyers talking about the qualifications of the nominee. No, these are individuals who will talk about the impact of overturning Obamacare, abortion, gun control cases, other cases. This is a blatant attempt to influence a future justice's decision-making, and it's campaigning. It's trying to sway voters. That's not the purpose and function of a confirmation hearing. It's a bastardization of the process. It is, in a word, shameful. What do you think, Carrie? From there, when do we get to a full vote in the U.S. Senate? I think we'll have the vote before the end of this month. I think there's a few moving pieces, and Democrats, we know, have already declared. They know they don't have the votes to stop her. Their goal is delay, delay, delay. Whatever partisan reasons they can do to delay, they're going to use them. But I think we, we, uh, we have a, a good team on the Senate that's working to counter all those. She will have a vote before the end of this uh, this month. And I think it's going to be really hard for anyone who watched her in those hearings, just masterful, really commanding the room, clearly smarter than all the people on that bench asking her these silly questions. It's going to be hard for them to really justify their answer against her. That's why they're turning it into a campaign footage uh, video rather than actually engaging with the nominee because they know they, they can't stand to hold the candle to her. Yeah, Senator Whitehouse literally speaks for, you know, 30 minutes, doesn't ask a single question, brings a thousand charts. And I'm like, why are you forcing us to listen to you ramble on and on forever? I mean, it was like his chance to, to have his own uh, campaign commercial. Uh, Carrie Severino, thank you. Greg Jarrett, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. A developing blockbuster story as it relates to Zero Experience Hunter and Burisma and Ukraine and apparently goes way beyond that. And that is that the lie that Joe Biden told that he knew nothing about Hunter Biden's business dealings has now been blown out of the water. What impact this will have and what else is coming next? 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? We'll have that story for you on the other side as we continue. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. We now have the smoking gun email as it relates to uh, Zero Experience Hunter and Ukraine and Burisma. And, you know, let's just backtrack a little bit here. Everybody in the mob, the media ignored Senator Grassley and Senator Ron Johnson's report that talked at length about how how much deeper the business dealings were as it relates to Hunter Biden cashing in on his then vice president's name uh, with Russian oligarchs and Ukrainian oligarchs and uh, Chinese nationals, Russian nationals, Kazakh nationals, Ukrainian nationals. And yeah, the three and a half million from the mayor of uh, Moscow or the first lady of Moscow, as she was called, the wife of the mayor of Moscow, all part of these business dealings. Peter Schweitzer, Secret Empires, goes into depth and detail as it relates to the what ended up being $1.5 billion deal with the Bank of China immediately after a trip that Hunter took with his father to uh, Asia and visiting China. And then, of course, zero experience Hunter getting paid millions from Burisma Holdings and Joe Biden bragging on tape that you're not getting the billion taxpayer dollars unless you fire the prosecutor that is investigating my zero experience son that's being paid millions. It all happened and everybody ignored it. And Joe Biden repeatedly said, I, I don't know anything about my son's business dealings, nothing whatsoever. 
Anyway, there is apparently emerging a treasure trove of information. We're vetting through a lot of it ourselves. A lot of it coming out today in the New York Post, or what I'm told is only going to be the first wave, where Hunter Biden, in fact, did introduce his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, to a top executive at Burisma, the Ukrainian energy firm, less than a year before the elder Biden uh then pressured government officials to fire the prosecutor uh, that was, in fact, investigating his zero-experienced son. Anyway, the never-before-revealed meeting is mentioned in a message of appreciation sent by an advisor to the board of Burisma, uh, allegedly sent to Hunter Biden on April 17, 2015, about a year after Hunter joined Burisma. A uh, reported salary of uh, at least $50,000 a month. There's been some conflicting uh, information about that. Uh, the report in the New York Post says, it says, Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving me the opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together. It's it's really an honor and a pleasure. An earlier email from May of 2014 also shows uh, this uh, individual reportedly showing Burisma's number three executive asking Hunter for advice on how you could use your influence on the on the company's behalf. Uh, This correspondence uh, flies in the face of Joe Biden's claim that he's never spoken to his son about his overseas business dealings. Uh, Obviously, this is a big story and it's about corruption and abuse of power and influence and a real quid pro quo on a higher level than anybody ever imagined. Let me just remind you of Joe Biden saying he's never discussed this with his son. I, I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. Oh. Anyway, here to weigh in on all of this, John uh, Solomon is back with us, editor-in-chief, JustTheNews.com, Peter Schweitzer. He authored Secret Empires and was uh, first in revealing a lot of this information about the financial dealings of the the Bidens abroad and cashing in on the power of the then vice president and prior to that senator from Delaware. I've, I've, I've now been hearing that there is a treasure trove of information. Um, I've confirmed that people have it. People have told me what's in it, but I haven't been able to confirm it all myself. Uh, Peter Schweitzer, and if I know it, uh, that means you must know it. What do you know, and and what can you tell us? Yes, um, there is a treasure trove of emails uh, that come from a laptop in Delaware uh, that is believed to be Hunter Biden's uh, laptop that contains a lot of emails uh, related to his business activities and personal information. I can also say here, Sean, uh, for the first time, and we'll be talking more about this in the days ahead, uh, that we were approached, I was approached 10 days ago by a former Hunter Biden business partner uh, who has given me access to 26 thousand emails, many of which pertain to business dealings in China and elsewhere. So uh, the, the mystery question that we all knew the answer to of why did Hunter Biden get these deals in China and Ukraine uh, is now coming forward and is being revealed. He got those deals because of who his father was and the fact that his father was going to do favors for him and on behalf of these clients that were paying Hunter Biden all this money. Now, John Solomon, I, I know that you went way deeper than I ever did in the issue of Ukraine. And, you know, the one thing that I've come to believe is that uh, in terms of, of, of business dealings, uh, especially involved in politics, there is a ton of corruption there. So I don't know whether 
you know, who to trust or believe on any level as it relates to Ukraine. I know you've been aware of this. What do you believe as it relates to all of this? Well, listen, we, we can believe what the State Department officials told us in sworn testimony, which is they saw what Hunter Biden was doing and the fact that his father continued to oversee Ukrainian policy while his son was making all this money at uh, Burisma as a conflict of interest, the very thing an ethical government official should avoid. Uh, multiple officials, including George Kent, the guy who made himself famous during the impeachment proceedings uh, with his little bow tie and his testimony, made really clear that this was a major problem. It was undercutting U.S. policy trying to fight corruption in Ukraine. How do you tell the Ukrainians don't be corrupt when the Biden administration, the Obama-Biden administration, doesn't pursue this company and Joe Biden's son sits on it making lots of money? And it was $83,333 a month that came in to each of Devin Archer, his business partner, and Hunter Biden. We know the records. How do we know that number is exact and right, not conflicted? The FBI got these records in a bank transaction. So the, the truth of the matter is the, the, what we've been reporting, starting with Peter's great books and then the work I did at the Hill, uh, is, is now coming into clearer focus. This was a bad, corrupt deal in Ukraine that not only shamed the Biden family, it undercut a U.S. policy in trying to fight corruption in Ukraine. That's no longer in dispute. It's a fact. Peter, what are we going to find out here? How bad does this get for Joe Biden in the next 20 days? Uh, I think it's going to get very bad uh, for Joe Biden. Um, You know, my regret is only that we didn't have access to these emails earlier, but it's going to get very bad because, look, everybody knows Hunter Biden was not getting these deals on merit. And the question was always, what role did Joe Biden play in in any of his son's business dealings? He has flat out said, you play the the audio, uh, that he had no conversations ever. Uh, We're going to be able to demonstrate with this new material that he absolutely knew uh, about his son's business dealings and that he was even in some respects directly involved with them. Uh, We're also going to be able to demonstrate um, that Joe Biden's insistence that there was this wall between his son's activities and his were flawed, and that Hunter Biden's business partners saw him as the gateway to the administration, that that's why he was actually involved in these ventures in the first place, that he brought nothing else to the table. Um, So the question really becomes, for me, Sean, um, you know, John has done uh, amazing legwork and reporting on this. We exposed it in the book. The real question is, are other members of the media going to demonstrate any any curiosity about this, because let's be clear, it's not just about what Joe Biden has done. The media needs to consider that Joe Biden has lied to their faces. He has told them there is nothing there, and the evidence is going to continue. But Peter, they've been protecting him the whole time. The whole yeah. idea now is to run out the clock. He won't even yeah. answer a question about whether he'll pack the U.S. Supreme Court. He won't. They, they won't. Everything's on the table, Chuck Schumer says. It'll be the biggest power grab ever. Um, what do both of you make about the Obama administration letting a Democratic PR company that worked for Burisma take part in a conference call about an upcoming visit to Ukraine by then-Vice President Joe Biden, according to some of these emails. Uh, John Solomon. Listen, uh, Blue Star is the key to this whole scandal. When people understand what Blue Star was doing to try to force the Ukrainian government to drop uh, the corruption investigation of Hunter Biden's firm, Burisma, they'll understand how big a scandal it is. And tomorrow, 
I will have a story based on newly released documents from the State Department that I FOIA'd uh, showing that after Joe Biden uh, fired the prosecutor known as Shokin, Victor Shokin, the guy that he got fired by making that famous, you know, you don't get your billion dollars unless he gets fired. The new guy comes in. And as soon as the new guy comes in and gets his feet on the ground in Ukraine, he starts to take over the case. Blue Star starts courting him and offering to take him to America to meet with Hillary Clinton's campaign and the Biden administration and the uh, Obama administration. We're going to reveal the, the sort of influence peddling that was going on. And here's a funny thing. Once they did that, once they tried to arrange that meeting in Washington for him, what did that prosecutor do? He closed down the remaining corruption cases, just like Hunter Biden and Burisma and Blue Star wanted to do. We'll have that story for you tomorrow with the actual documents released by the State Department. What about the deals with Russian nationals, Kazakh nationals, uh, Ukrainian nationals, uh, Chinese nationals, Russian oligarchs, Ukrainian oligarchs, all the all the findings, the preliminary findings in Ron Johnson and Senator Grassley's report, Peter Schweitzer. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, the Bidens were not simply doing uh, business deals with Burisma. They were running a corrupt United Nations of commercial transactions. They weren't doing business deals in Japan or in Great Britain. They were doing deals on the fringes of the global economy with corrupt governments and oligarchs. And that's what people have to understand. Joe Biden's been involved in national politics for, for five decades. He knows how business is done in this way. He knows what these regimes are about. He was the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He knows who they're doing deals with. So there's no plausible deniability here. He and Hunter are very close. They've always been very close. And the documents now are proving uh, that they were working these deals uh, together, um, that there was a, a corresponding uh, series of events in which they were both involved that made this business model work for the benefit of the entire Biden family. Yeah. What about the email? I don't know if you saw it uh, from Robert Biden to Devin Archer. Oh, uh, buy a cell phone from a 7-Eleven or CVS tomorrow and I'll do the same. Don't they call those burner phones for a reason? And aren't uh, a lot of people involved in nefarious activities? Isn't that a, a, a common practice, John Solomon? It is. Drop phones are well known uh, for people who are engaging in criminal conduct. Now, we're a long way from proving that. Here's what I'll say about one other thing. We, you mentioned all of the suspicious activity reports that were flagged. These are Treasury warning uh, reports that were given to Senators Johnson and Grassley recently. I am doing some reporting, and it appears that the reason that those reports got flagged, the reason that those were sent to the government saying something is amiss with Hunter Biden's finances, is there was a whistleblower or a compliance officer inside one of the financial firms who believed what he was watching amounted to money laundering or illegal conduct. And he forced his financial institution to come forward and report it to the Treasury Department. I think we're going to learn more about that in the next week. Uh, if financial people saw something wrong, the State Department saw something wrong, uh, the FBI saw something wrong because they obviously arrested Hunter Biden's business partner, Devin Archer, and convicted him in 2018. Uh, why doesn't the American people see something wrong? And why doesn't Joe Biden see something wrong with what his son was doing? By the way, you just broke a story also today. I think it's important to point out that Bruce Orr just uh, retired. Uh, wasn't he one of the people in August of, of 2016 that even warned Comey not to trust the uh, dirty Russian dossier? And, uh, and with the documents I just put out, reaffirming again that he warned them he, that Christopher Steele was working for Hillary Clinton. It was not in doubt. They knew before they submitted their first FISA warrant. Why is Orr's retirement so important? It allowed him to escape 
punishment. He was uh, he was just notified. There was an imminent decision on whether he would be disciplined for his role in the Russia case, and they allowed him to retire rather than face uh, discipline. Another example of the dual system of accountability we seem to have in the Justice Department. All right, great work. John Solomon, JustTheNews.com. Peter Schweitzer, his book, Secret Empires, if you haven't read it yet, it's, it's eye-opening. Uh, all of this should be in play. If, if the last name was Trump, you know it would be. Thank you uh, both for being with us. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News, Peter Schweitzer, Rudy Giuliani, Senator Ron Johnson, Senator Lindsey Graham, Kaylee McEnany will join us, and much, much more. Say DVR, best election coverage, 9 Eastern, Hannity on Fox. When we come back tomorrow, only 19 days till you are the ultimate jury. This election matters. Thanks for being with us. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow.